Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at cardboardtoheadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. It's time for another episode of Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. We have a lot to discuss today. Ahead of Game 6 of the World Series, my inner fangirl comes out as I defend Clayton Kershaw and root on the Dodgers. We also take a look at that dominant NFC West and preview the NFL's Week 8 before heading to Dillon for all things Panthers football. Clear eyes, full hearts, go Dodgers. Sorry guys, but I have to put that in. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network and make sure to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, let's get to it. All right, Steph, much to discuss today. Game six of the World Series is tonight. NFL Week 7 is somehow behind us. We are into Week 8, like basically the halfway point of the season. I don't know how that has happened, but <laughs> many an interesting storyline. And I think let's start in the place that's near and dear to our hearts, the NFC West, because okay. we have a situation. It probably won't happen, but it could happen with the expanded playoffs where every team in the NFC West could end up in the playoffs. Yeah, it's uh I have to calculate that. Like I it it hurts my brain to think about how they could all be so good and then you have other divisions that are so so bad and they're guaranteed a spot, you know. So I'm curious uh, what you think but I've always been like a proponent of the 1 through 16 kind of like playoff, you know, mm-hmm. do a seating, you know, forget the division, you know, except for just, you know, the fact that, you know, for playing games and, and travel and all that, but just do a straight, you know, seating, because it seems like that would be the more fair thing to do versus all these other, you know, having to travel and all these other things. Well, it would be interesting. And this is definitely you know, above our pay grade, but I think you could do a seeding. You could do the top one through six teams. And then within that, that top, well, now one through seven, within that top, you could take the division winners and seed them higher, but the division winner wouldn't necessarily get a playoff spot, if that makes sense. So if you had the Eagles finishing the season seven and nine, so they win the division instead of like them. So then they wouldn't go to the playoffs, you know, in theory, like if everybody else was ahead of them, but then let's say the NFC West winner and the NFC South winner and all of them, they're in it, then and the <laughs> NFC North winner, then they get a higher seating. I mean, it could definitely get confusing, but yeah. it just seems like you have a situation something where- Something needs to be done. Something needs to be done because the NFC East is just a disaster. And um, well, let's talk NFC West and then we'll talk with the Cowboys Eagles playing each other on Sunday We'll get more into this. Well, let's just talk about it now. But you have the <laughs> Cowboys at two and five and the Eagles at two, four, and one. It's crazy. But this game is a big game it's because it matters game. for the at NFC least somebody's East. gonna win it. <laughs> yeah, somebody is gonna win it and move up in the NFC East. And that is just crazy. It's gonna be the division winner. Like it's, yes, it's, it's like a huge so game. Weird. It's like a huge game. And the Cowboys are a mess. I was mm-hmm. telling Steph before we started, I listened to um a podcast earlier this morning that Bill Barnwell was on and he was talking about the Cowboys quarterback situation. And he said, 
the thing is, it's like a car. I don't remember the how he put it exactly, but something to the effect of it's like if a car ha- is having engine problems, but it also has no wheels and no gas, the engine doesn't really matter. <laughs> and that is basically the Cowboys. They somehow downgraded it, Coach. Yeah. They, I think yeah, we're it's, also it's, seeing maybe it wasn't Jason Garrett. Maybe yeah. that's not really the problem. I think one could say that perhaps the owner is too involved mm-hmm. in the football operations of this team. And that's the big problem. They don't play for each other. They're constantly fumbling the football. Andy Dalton went down with an injury the other day. And he's, I think, uh, in, I don't know if he, it was a, I don't know if it's a possible concussion at this point, but I think that mm-hmm. was what they thought. So I don't, I don't know where that ended up, but you didn't really see, he got hit pretty bad. You didn't really see his teammates come to his defense in the, you know, it just, it's a mess. It is yeah. a hot mess in Dallas. <laughs> I think it all comes back to the culture. And I think that that's why it's so important from the top down, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I, when I think about them, they have all these like really great superstars, but there's not somebody that's willing to make the block. They want to make, they all want to make the catch, you know? They So it's, it's just an interesting dynamic. And you're seeing that, you know, at the end of the day, Football is that team game and they need to come together as a team, but it's just not, it's not jiving at all. So we'll see what happens, but I have no high hopes for Dallas. And what's so weird is that in the beginning of the season, I thought for sure they were going to come off as a playoff team. I thought they were going to be so good, but it couldn't be further from the truth. Like I couldn't, you know, it couldn't happen any worse for them. So, and yeah, Dak Prescott, but I do also want to just like say, I think he covered up a lot. Oh, and- he covered up so much for this team. Um, I just checked by the way, Andy Dalton does currently have a concussion, uh, but I think I agree with you. He covered up so, yeah. so much. I mean, imagine how bad they would have been the last few years and they were pretty bad without <laughs> Dak, but I think we're seeing it. And, you know, For I sure. go back to... The other day, Dalton got hit hard, and it was like kind of a dirty hit, and his teammates didn't react. And I just think that says so much. Could you imagine Jimmy Garoppolo getting hit like that and all the 49ers just standing around being like, oh, oh well. Yeah. I mean, that's just – that says so much about this team and, and where they are. And it's unfortunate to see because there is a lot of talent on that team. and. It's just there's too much ego. And as you you said the magic word, culture. Yeah, I think it's more important than I ever thought it was, you know, in the past. And just seeing teams like come together and teams that succeed on a consistent basis. And, you know, it's it's hard in the NFL. Every single game is going to be tough. You know, it's just hard to win games, especially now. But you can kind of see the teams that consistently do well have a good culture. And I think that that speaks volumes and um, there's just, it's lacking there in Dallas and it's sad. And I think that a lot, there's been a lot of like QB controversy on your team, you know, the 49ers, 
but I feel like they will back him up. They believe in him and they will do whatever it takes and they want Jimmy to succeed. And I think that goes a long way for the whole culture, the players, they're willing to block for him. They're willing to do whatever it takes. And that's what you need in a team. You need that, you know, unity or consistency. They're both. Well, and, I, <laughs> and I think that co- that quarterback controversy with the 49ers is not really going on in the building. Yeah. That's a controversy that's going on outside the building. It's pretty uh, loud. <laughs> it's very it's very loud outside the building, but I, it's not going on inside the building. And I think now in the last few weeks when we saw what happened when Nick Mullins started, when we saw what right. happened when CJ Beathard started, there's really no controversy right now. <laughs> like you know, But I think right. outside the building, yes, you're, there's all these conversations and, and is he the guy and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, they would – they they would go to bat for him. They would do anything. And there's just a different culture there. George Kittle said the other day after they went over the Patriots, and we can talk more about that. He said, it's great to be on a team of psychopaths because I fit in perfectly. <laughs> and which is hilarious. He's but crazy. It, like, and he runs like he's it has nothing to lose. <laughs> nothing to lose. But he loves to block he as does. much as he loves to catch. Well, in some ways, he likes it more. And But I think that statement was really telling of the team and the types of players and mentality this team is made up of because they will do what it takes to win. There's there's like it's like on the 49ers and many other teams, not just the 49ers. There's no I in team and on the Cowboys, but there is a me. Is like basically right. how I look at it. Like I really feel like that's what it is and I think that's the difference between a successful team and a team with a lot of talent, because you look at the 49ers, they are decimated right now, like especially yeah. on defense, decimated. And they manhandled the Patriots, who played terribly. We could talk more about that in a second. But I think that just shows, is everybody buying in? Is everybody have each other's back? Mm-hmm. Is the coach respected? Do they believe in their coach? Do they believe in the system? And they make it work. And they had a couple bad weeks. It would have been really easy to say – We've had these bad weeks. Our season is probably toast. We lost Nick Bosa for the season. We've had a myriad of injuries. D Ford hasn't played in weeks. Richard Sherman hasn't played in weeks. They probably won't be back before the bye. Raheem Mostert just went on IR. Jeff Wilson's going out. Like you could look at a million things and say, forget it. Let's just call it. And this team hasn't done that. I just think it says a lot, especially in comparison to a team like Dallas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's and it, I like that they're still fighting, obviously, but, it, you know, it's never over. And I think that, um, you know, just everything that's going on, I think it just speaks volumes of the team. And I'm big on that anyway in sports. Like, I feel like the best Giants team to ever win the World Series was not the most talented Giants team I've ever seen, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it was the we called them, you know, the the bunch of misfits, the San Francisco misfits. And they were, and no, but there was a new hero every night, but man, they were a team and they would go out and you had, you know, just, they'd go out and do whatever it took and they would switch positions. They would do whatever it took and, you know, they won. And I, and I, I really think that that chemistry goes a long way. So you know, I, I I still have hope for the 49ers. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think the 49ers are actually, especially with the seven game playoff, are in a pretty good position. But well, let's talk. Let's let's talk about the 49ers and the NFC West because it is, of course, the polar opposite of Dallas Cowboys and the NFC East. So the Niners 
went into Foxborough the other day. Jimmy G's first time back manhandled the Patriots 33 to six. They looked, they looked great and they did it without their starting safeties. They did it with all the myriad of other injuries we talked about. Uh, And people talk about people stepping up. You got Jamar Taylor, a cornerback who wasn't on this team a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, and he's had two interceptions. So you got a, a situation where everybody is stepping up. But before we get further into the NFC West, let's talk a little bit about what is going on with the Patriots. Uh, Cam Newton looks bad. He looks like something's wrong. He ended up getting benched for Jared Siddham, who didn't really look much better. But they have a true quarterback problem. I mean, I think this is a little bit of a team that's not necessarily in a rebuild or that we thought wasn't in so much of a rebuild, but more of a reboot, but maybe is truly in a rebuild. But basically how goes Cam is how goes the Patriots. And, you know, you have to wonder, is he still recovering from the symptoms of COVID? I know he doesn't have it anymore, but, you know, it takes a lot out of you, as, as you obviously yeah. well know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure you weren't ready to go start a football game <laughs> a, a couple weeks later. Uh, you may not be ready to start a football game ever, but that's not, yeah. that's, that's no offense. That just might be fact. No. But, but, but no like, offense taken. I, but yeah. you probably, you know, maybe a, uh, maybe a more appropriate analogy would be like, you probably weren't ready to like, be like, all right, I'm, I'm back in the gym and I'm going to do a, 30 minute run at yeah, yeah. six at a, at an incline of four and like, go, you know, whatever it is. And so that definitely could be part of it, but um, things are not looking good in New England. No, no. And I was thinking about that. Uh, of course, I'm applying my own, you know, experience with COVID. And I know that's not what every certain, you know, every person with COVID experiences, but mine was hell. Like it, and even when I was better, something else came up, you know, and I didn't know what it was, And but I never felt good. I never felt like my old self. And so now I'm starting to feel that way, but it's been like seven months. <laughs> it's crazy. And if you're really suffering, you know, and you, we would assume and of course, we don't know. We would assume that maybe Cam didn't have quite the same experience because he's back on a football field. But then when we see how he looks on the football field, it's it's hard to tell. And you don't obviously, know what he's feeling. You, do, you, you don't can, know what he's feeling. And, and he was you, so it different. It takes so much out of you. Like it is, it knocks you down. It, to me, like my energy was the biggest thing. So even though like you're like, okay, I'm not coughing anymore. Or, okay, I'm not, you know, don't have headaches anymore. You you're just wiped all the time. So, and that's not something that even like the doctors are like, okay, but this, the fatigue is just so like, because it's in your system now and that fatigue takes a toll and it's just something you're not used to. And I I feel like that could very well explain a lot of the things and it maybe has nothing to do with it. Maybe, you know, Cam's done, but I mean, I, I kind of feel like we should give him a little leeway on that. Well, and he looked so different at the beginning of the season oh, yeah. that I, I think it is fair to wonder if that's what's going on. So they this weekend, they'll be playing the Bills, uh, who obviously is a very different Buffalo Bills team, who is probably going to end mm-hmm. up winning the AFC East. So, you know, we'll see how he balances back and see how he does. But I think we're seeing Bill Belichick in a rebuild and, you know, over in Tampa, Tom Brady seems to now be clicking on all cylinders. So it, you know, there's conversation like, was it really Brady all along? I think at the end of the day, I think they worked really well together. I think there was a reason 
it worked. And I think you can be the greatest coach in the world, but if your quarterback is throwing three interceptions and you're just don't have the offensive personnel kind of is what it is. You know, there's, there's only so much that that you can do. And I think they are in a little bit of a, I want to call it like a rebuild a boot, (laughs) (laughs) like a build a bear, but like a rebuild a boot or a a reboot a build. (laughs) If it's a reboot a build, I think I just made up a word. Um, I, I, get I think we're going to go with it. It's a reboot of it. I like reboot a build. It's a reboot yeah. a build. And we'll see what happens as the season goes on. But this, you know, I also think going into the season, and this is something that's important to think about too. Going into the season, it always felt like the Patriots were basically just going to be in a rebuild. They yeah. signed Cam and it became a reboot. It was like, oh, hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. But if, the reality is Cam probably couldn't change everything. You know, no, and you know. And too, like their offense, once they got out of the, the shotgun, it was they defenses learned real quick how to do mm-hmm. it. You know, so in the beginning, yeah, he took everybody by storm. So it could be that too. Like they did their offense is just not good enough with the execution. Besides, you know, that because he's a, obviously a mobile quarterback, but when that stops working because teams adjust, then there's mm-hmm. no, there's nothing else to do. You know, they don't, they don't have a secondary like run, you know, that, you know, that, you would want to kind of surprise the defenses with. So it could be a lot of things, but you know, that's football. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that happen, but it, it does go to show how, you know, and I, and I have a new respect for Brady and what the Patriots were able to do for so long. I mean, just so dominant and to see them kind of going on a different path. You, you, you definitely respect what you saw for so many years. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, we talk a lot about in football, it's so cyclical and windows closed. That window was open a very long time. Eventually, things were going to change. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we're seeing. So speaking of Tom Brady, I think uh, it's important to bring up that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have a new wide receiver on their team. <laughs> and uh, they are uh, signing Antonio Brown. And I have a number of feelings about it. Obviously, in theory, it will up if it works, it will upgrade their offense quite a bit. I think you're signing someone who is currently being accused of pretty serious things. And there he goes getting a job in the NFL because he's good at football. Uh, That's something we've talked a lot about on this podcast. Uh, But it's you know, I get it from a football perspective. I get mm-hmm. it from a humanities perspective. I'm disappointed. And mm-hmm. I know that they're all saying they've done their due diligence and they know what they're getting into, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, like I said, he's being accused of some pretty terrible things. And, you know, right now nothing's been proven. So maybe that I have to keep that in mind as well. But I just think it's important to remember why he got cut from the Patriots after yeah, like a minute on the team, and because uh, of the accusations of sexual assault. Um, but we will see how this goes. It'll, I think, it'll be interesting to see if he can really make it through the season, and see what happens there. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. I mean, that's for sure. And I don't know. Like, I, I go back and forth on this because I, I'm, I feel pretty strongly about you know 
domestic violence, especially domestic violence in the NFL. But then I've also come to the conclusion that I don't really feel that footballers should be role models anymore. Like in the past, I think we looked up to Joe Montana or some sort of, you know, or these, you know, they were like somebody you looked up to. But now it's like, I just kind of feel like, you know, that's not what they do. You know, that's not what we should. And, and I do think people should have second or or be redempt, be able to redeem themselves. But um, I just don't know. I don't know enough about it. I don't know. I just don't think it should be ignored. I think I he's, think he's currently, ignored. he's currently, he's being accused of sexual assault. So I right. think I think it, you do have to see how it plays out. I just don't think it should be ignored. I also think there are a lot of situations with Antonio Brown. There's a lot that went on there. Sure. So I just don't think it should be ignored. They want to sign him because he's a good football player. I do get that. I just think it's important to remember. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been signed. I'm saying that it's just like important to remember everything. And though I agree that maybe athletes shouldn't be role models, I, I think whether we like it or not, Oftentimes they are, but I do think the league should be a role model on how things are handled. But that being said, you know, he's been signed and we'll see yeah, how it there's, goes. And, yeah, you know. there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack with the NFL because they have, it's so much more common than we even realize. I mean, it's very common. It just doesn't all get out. You know, his did, you know, and it's, and his, every single one did. But there's a lot of players that have this problem. And, you know, speaking of culture, that, but they are able to hide it, you know? So it's, it's got to go deeper. It's, it's, I feel like the NFL has this thing, though. It's like not, it's just how, what they can allow to get out. And it's all PR. It's not necessarily, hey, we don't want you to, you know, beat your wife or your girlfriend or commit sexual assault, you know. So I think that that needs to be driven in, not just like, don't get caught. You know, that's kind of how I feel. I think that's, I think that's very fair. (laughs) Uh, So I, you know, we'll see how it works. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll all be okay. So we'll see how it goes. Um, in Tampa, but they are definitely making a run. They have a very good shot of winning the NFC South. Uh, so we will see what happens there. Uh, matchup of the week, and then I do eventually want to get back to the NFC West, but matchup of the week, I would say, from my perspective, is the Steelers and the Ravens. Steelers coming off that exciting game against the Titans, which they yeah. barely pulled it out, but what a what an exciting, great football game. So the Ravens just signed a wide receiver of their own to their practice squad. They just signed Des Bryant. So uh, we'll see how it'd be interesting to kind of see how that all plays out over the coming weeks. But this is really a marquee matchup in the AFC. And, you know, I still think the Chiefs are obviously an elite AFC team, but I think we've seen a couple chinks in the armor. Like it's possible that they can be beat for sure. Uh, Steelers look good. The Ravens look good. There's something about the Steelers though. And, you know, kind of not the biggest Ben Roethlisberger fan, but there, but I do love Mike Tomlin. So there's that, but there is something about this Steelers team that is just looking so good. And I really think is emerging as the team to beat in the AFC. Yeah. Their, their defense is good. Their run game is strong. Their pass game with you know, Big Ben, everything is is hitting and they're doing really well. And I didn't know if they were going to be able to, you know, 
pick up that game against the Titans because they, you know, they they played really well too. So it's um, you know, it's interesting, but I they're definitely a top team in my book. So I have them going pretty far in the playoffs. Yep, I think so too. I I, I think so too. I think we may very well we might see them in the Super Bowl. We'll see. We have mm. miles to go until we sleep on that one, but. I think wasn't that isn't that wasn't that my uh, June take last week? Or <laughs> was it the Steelers being the Super Bowl? So um, I am I am sticking so you're with rolling it. Rolling with <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm rolling with it. Uh, okay, NFC West. A couple of big games this week. You have the 49ers versus the Seahawks, which is always an exciting game because of the rivalry. But also, Niners are four and three. Seattle is now five and one. Should the Niners somehow be able to pull out a win here? And I think they can. I mean, I think the Seahawks look good. But there are holes, uh, and they don't have a tremendous pass rush. And they're, you know, they're, it's Russell Wilson is like this team, right. which, which often it is. Um, I'm not. They're always they're always good, and I don't want to take anything away from the fact that the team has, uh, aside from their crazy game, you know, they lost that crazy game to Arizona the other night because, of course, no Seattle Seahawks game can ever just be like a normal football game. So expect there to be some sort of craziness on Sunday. But should the Niners be able to pull out a win here, and which I think. I feel more confident about than I did, let's say maybe two or three weeks ago. Right. If that happens, so this is, I'm saying this if, so I don't want you guys to message me and be like, you got the records wrong. If that happens, <laughs> the 49ers would improve to five and three. The Seahawks would be five and two. Arizona's five and two, and they have a bye this weekend. The Rams are five and two. They play the Dolphins this weekend, which I think also becomes an interesting game. Obviously, the Dolphins manhandled San Francisco. Um, they sit at three and three and they're playing decently. You know, they're, they've made yeah. the change at, at quarterback. Uh, so it'll, it's two as team now. So that was an interesting thing. It'd be kind of interesting to see with the trade deadline coming up. If, if Fitzpatrick ends up somewhere else, oh, but good point. so yeah, that might be an interesting thing that uh, that's been like kind of in the ether. And so we'll see what happens there, but the NFC West could be very, very interesting. So, I don't know, should the Rams lose this weekend, you'd have the 49ers and the Rams with the same record with the 49ers currently have the having the tiebreaker because they've mm -hmm. beaten the Rams. So that it's, NFC West, it's all it's all very possible. So it's going to be kind of an interesting weekend for that division. Uh, and that division, just the rest of the season <laughs> is going to be real Powerhouse. interesting and fun to watch. And then San Francisco, three days later, has Green Bay on Thursday night football. Obviously, last year, San Francisco team beat them twice handily different situation of we've talked about yeah, the whole injuries, different. whole different thing. But I still think the Packers are not as good as their record shows. Yeah. So that's just – so we'll see what happens there. So we got a uh, interesting weekend in the NFC West, and I, that's really the division to watch, I think, the rest of the season because it's just so good. And, yes, I agree with you. It makes my brain hurt to think of all the scenarios <laughs> in which they could all make it. And they probably all won't. But right. it's just kind of interesting that we have a division like that. I don't think we've had that situation in quite some time. Um, so that is good. And then the other – another big game this weekend is the Saints versus the Bears. The Bears who really mm -hmm. looked bad on Monday Night Football. Yeah, uh, really, really bad. Uh, the Rams I can't even believe they have the record they do. They didn't even – they're one of those teams that has a record that's way better than they look. Mm-hmm. So – that's true. I don't know. Like, I think that the 49ers have a bad record, but they aren't as bad as they they, ha they seem, I guess. You know, so it's weird yeah. how that all works out. But when I watch the Bears, I'm like, how are they 5-1? <laughs> well, and I think uh, 
and now they're five and two. Now I think and that, two. you know, it's possible. Obviously, the offseason program was not the same. There was no preseason football. And I think for some of the teams, these first few weeks were a little preseason like. Yeah. And I think for a team like the 49ers, they had come off that East Coast trip where they lost so many players, losing Nick Bosa for the season and losing Solomon Thomas for the season. And so many people were on IR. Like there were so many things that came out of that. And then they came home and just looked terrible. And now they really kind of a little bit are in their groove. It's possible for other teams that were playing teams that also needed to get in their groove without the normal offseason program. So like a team like the Bears maybe did look much better than they are. That being said, they also had one bad game. So yeah. it's also possible. Yeah. But I guess by the same token, a team like the Four Hours got beat and looked terrible against Philadelphia, really were embarrassed by the Dolphins, and now <laughs> seem to be clicking. It's possible the Bears just had one bad game. So I, I'm curious with the Saints matchup, the Saints are an interesting team too because they got a lot of you know up and downs, ups and downs going on over there. Uh, this will be a telling matchup. I actually think for both yeah. teams. So I think it's a wacky season anyway. So I think anything can happen at this juncture. I think that is very true. It is a very very wacky season. It goes with the rest of the year. This is the 2020 <laughs> NFL season, and it fits in perfectly on brand with 2020. Yeah. So that's where we are there. All right, switching gears, we are going to talk World Series Game 6 tonight. Actually, when this podcast goes live, the game will start in eight minutes. Um, So (laughs) not that I'm counting down or anything like that. (laughs) You're Um, excited. I'm so excited. Uh, I was there last week, for those of you who maybe don't follow me on social media. I had so much fun. It was so cool to be there. Um, My brother actually has to be in Dallas for work, so he's back there, which is so cool. But um, it was so cool to be there. And they did a really good job. Uh, the, t- the seats that aren't sold are zip tied. Because I was wondering oh. how that was going to work. Yeah. Like, how could you say to someone, you know, will that, I mean, you could say something to someone, but will they listen? But they're zip tied. So you actually like, can't sit down. There's like no one on either side of you for like five or six feet. Yeah, so I that's was wondering a, yeah. about that too because you know we used to seat gypsies, what we called it. But you know, you go down and you get in, and then you could just go down and sit closer. That's not really gonna fly nowadays. No, you definitely could not do that there. Uh, you can't buy one ticket when you buy. If you buy your tickets on StubHub, you can't sell like two of them. So let's say you bought four tickets, you can't sell right. two. Right. So. They're really, you know, on top of that, the ballpark is beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, And it was just so fun. Obviously, game one was more fun than game two just because. But game two got (laughs) exciting there at the end. So uh, it was it was awesome. So that was really, really cool. Uh, Dodgers are up 3-2 on the Rays. And it's funny because the first three games of the series were like pretty – like one-sided. Right. Um, yes, in game two, the Dodgers sort of come back, but for the most part, it's pretty one-sided. Then you had the insane game four. Yes, like that was that so good. <laughs> crazy. I mean, that game was insane. Talk about from a baseball fan, fan's perspective, incredible. From a Dodgers fan's perspective, yeah. I sat on my couch for a while, being like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what just happened. Here. <laughs> I, I am confused. I thought it was uh, really. <laughs> Cool, was, but I know we're on the opposite spectrum here. We are. But we are on the great. opposite spectrum. It's, but it was a great game. I mean, it great was a great game. game. And I will say, from a Dodgers fan perspective, and then from the baseball fan perspective, I was impressed how the Dodgers came back in game five and went right back to work. Because I think yeah. that kind of game, 
because in a matter of 10 seconds, they went from being from like potentially being up three, one and closing right. it out on Sunday to the craziest ending ever that could take the wind out of your sails. And that's two, two. And they came right back to work on Sunday, won that game. Also, I think, can we please stop with the Clayton Kershaw can't pitch the playoffs because now he has pitched. And I also would like to bring up, because this is one of my favorite things to bring up, that narrative got started with the cheating Astros. (laughs) You know, he pitched a great game one in that series in 2017. He got shelled in Houston. Uh, Trash cans. Can you all say trash cans with me? So (laughs) that narrative got started there. Uh, But here he pitched, obviously, game one, he was just on. Game two, he didn't have his greatest stuff, but he got it done. This whole playoffs, he's gotten it done. And I think the play of uh, throwing out the runner at home was pretty incredible. Margo. um, (laughs) Margo didn't get to go. (laughs) But that was a great play. And I think that's also incredible awareness. And that's also a pitcher who's been in the league a while who, like, knows what he's doing. But that was some really good awareness and that was a huge momentum shift so mm-hmm. i think we should take that narrative and put it away now because <laughs> he has pitched great but, but just playing a little devil's advocate here but um but roberts has blown some of kershaw up like well, in my opinion roberts. and i think that goes on dave roberts that's and i guess that's my other thing i think in fairness to clayton like that's he, not on him. I don't feel like that's necessarily on him. I think, but he has some, to wear it. That's the thing that that's, that's the like, thing that's unfair. That, and he has to wear it. And if he's going to he go does. pitch, and he does, and say, you know, yeah. he does. So, so. He, I would say that for him too. He's, you know, he said it last year. What they say is true. I actually felt in that division series game five last year, he brought Kershaw in in relief. He finished the inning. He pitched stellar. Clayton Kershaw is not a relief pitcher. I was no. like, that. he should be done. He did exactly mm-hmm. what he needed to do, bring in a relief pitcher. He puts Kershaw back out there and just, like, leaves him there to die. <laughs> like, he just yeah. got – and he got But that fell. happens. I mean, that happens when you don't have anybody else to go to and then they go to you and you're in the big leagues and you, you got to go and go out there and pitch. And I think – because that's something Madison Bumgarner has done. That's something that, you know, all the greats, I feel like, have done, even, like, even Barry Zito went out there and like well, there's and, a there's a name I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> but I'm saying he's he, he wasn't very good, but he would come in and he wasn't ever a reliever, but he came in and he pitched and it was it was crazy and you get it done. And I think at the end of the day, and baseball players and baseball fans, that's kind of what we look at. And I it's probably not fair. It's probably not something, you know, but it's it's just how we look at stuff. I I think that's true. And I I think I said I think Kershaw owns it. You know, he he would he never ever blames his manager. He no. never likes it. He always like, owns well. it. Yeah, he never <laughs> does. But I just think, you know, when you look at the totality of his career. No, um, he's a great pitcher. And, and he's, he's and so, he's and he, in this yeah. playoffs, he has pitched well on every outing. And I, I even go even the Braves game where he didn't pitch his best stuff. That was another, but see, there was another situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that for Dodgers fans, like sometimes we wonder, like, why is it that they will pull at the slightest sign of trouble, the slightest, they will pull everybody but Kershaw. And in that Braves game, he did not have his best stuff, but he gave him 
four innings, four good innings, five good innings, and he's got a bullpen. That's, I think, the thing. It's like, okay, so well, let's, yeah. you yeah. know, that's the other thing. They do have that depth. So I think that's the thing. But that being said, he did in this in this World Series, he's pitched the two good games. This playoffs were different. But it, I think that's like from a Dodgers fan perspective yeah. is where you're like, you've well, played a good case. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think my client, Clayton Kershaw, will take full responsibility. But I, as his lawyer, I'm just saying. But I I mean, you know, as his lawyer, I just want to make the case. But I give my client a lot of credit in taking full responsibility for it. You're a little defensive about it. I'm like, okay, Jason. I am. Well, I, I think my thing also with Kershaw, too, is like, He's such a good person. He is. He is. So it's just like you just feel like it's just like and I think what kills me is when I see the people like do like like in the past, obviously not this season, but in the past do like the really mean memes about it. Yeah. And it's like he's such a good guy and he does so much good like it's it's one thing to to give money, which is incredible, and it's I applaud any and all athletes, people who do that and give to a cause. But this man like goes to Africa and builds schools, like yeah. <laughs> it's just like you know, it's just like next level. And so I think I feel more defensive of him yeah. in that way. Um, no, we all have deal. our hills that we die on, you know. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's. I mean, that's. I, me and Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> like, oh, no, I will no, go no. on that hill and I will die for it because I feel like he's a good person. So, you know, that's like, so, you know, he, I get it. I mean, that's, you know, you love who you love. So. With Kaepernick, I always say I'll, do, I would defend him to the death. And my parents are like, I really hope it doesn't come to that. Like, I really, <laughs> really hope that. And I obviously, I feel that way about Clayton Kershaw. And yeah. I think the other thing with Clayton Kershaw is, of course, what gets me is that narrative really started in the Astros World Series and they yeah. were cheating. And I think the one of the reasons that I think I'm so passionate about the fact that they were cheating and so upset about it is not just because they stole the World Series. It's because I think what that did to people's careers oh, yeah. was yeah. awful. There was the pitcher from the A's that got shelled, I think, earlier in the playoffs that like never played in the majors again. I like, know. He went to the minors. You Darvish was driven out of oh, LA oh, and God. he was just, it was horrible. And I, it started this Kershaw narrative. And I think mentally that messes with the player's head. So that's a lot of what the Astros cheating, but it's not just that they took the world series. It's that what that does to people and that like your actions have consequences and that the fact that that team had zero contrition and just didn't care. But yeah, I guess. I have to move on. I did tweet that this, my 2020 campaign, Tracy Slander campaign, had ended, but maybe it never will. <laughs> yeah, I have, I don't know. Like, I, I was definitely going to go, like, if it had come down to the Dodgers, who I hate with gusto, and, and the Astros, I was going to actually root for the Dodgers there because uh, even though that, that's against my religion. <laughs> I mean, it really is against your religion. Um, it's like the one team that I cannot, you know, but I would in that case because I think what they did was totally ridiculous. But then, you know, there are other teams that were guilty, and I do think that the Astros were too, and they took all the blame on that, you know. So, you know, I get that they, you know, were a little like, 
you know, kind of got every, they took all the heat for several teams that were doing it is what I think. And that's why they didn't get in trouble. They just wanted to know that, you know, you know what I mean? They wanted to know what was going on so they could correct it. And that's why they didn't, they gave them a slap on the wrist or not even really. And there were other teams doing it and they needed to find out. I would say under that theory, um, then I think you you can give the players immunity. I just think they shouldn't have been allowed to go to the playoffs this year because also, God, had they gone to the World Series, you know how bad that would have been for baseball? It would have been terrible. Uh, yeah. So th- that would be my – if you're going to give the players immunity, which I will say I, I understand he was in a tough position there to get yeah. the information, but then I think you got to do something to punish the team and – I don't really think the team – and that's why they weren't contrite because they're like, why do we have to be contrite? We're not even in trouble. Um, right. So I think – I think there's a lot of that. things. that Their attitude definitely what didn't do it for me. That's for sure. No, but I like and- Dusty Baker. I think he was a good cultural change for them. And, you know, he owned it and he wasn't even part of that crap. So – but the ones who and the ones who were part of it, I know, didn't own it. Dusty Baker though did have a great quote. Uh, I think when the Astros tied it three, tried that tied that series three three, and he said, "You gotta love this team." I mean, a lot of people hate this team, but you gotta <laughs> love this team. <laughs> I did really appreciate, you know, that quote. And he's in a great position because he could come in and change the culture. And he was like, and even if he owns it, like he had nothing to do with it. So right. that's a big, you know, that's definitely a big positive. And he's an old school manager, and he knows. Like, he knows that that wasn't something that can fly. So I think, I mean, that he saved them totally. In my, they made a in good hire. Eyes. Yeah. They definitely, they made a very good hire and a very good choice there uh, for yeah. manager to try to help, help their image a little bit. So game six of the World Series tonight, Dodgers-Rays. I had said last week, Dodgers and mm-hmm, six. That was did. my prediction. I'm curious to see you have Tony Gonsolin starting tonight. Um, I don't have quite as much confidence in him as I do in Walker Bueller, who would start a game seven if there is one. But uh, we will see how this one goes. Uh, obviously, I would really like the Dodgers to just win it tonight. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would just be fantastic. Uh, and make I'm hoping me- for the race to come back. I know you are, but we're gonna we are definitely gonna be on different on different. And I don't I know that no matter how good a lawyer I am, I'm not gonna be able to plead my case to you on that. Uh, I just have my my Clayton Kershaw folder. Available. Yeah, right. Um, so my dad used to say like about Kaepernick, he was like, "You should be his like publicist and his lawyer." And perhaps the same is true of Clayton Kershaw. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, seriously. Yeah, cool. um, so there's that. So that's tonight. So obviously, this man girl is going to be hoping for a Dodgers win. So we'll see. Um, but if not, there'll be a game seven tomorrow. Uh, and I want to just say, like, I give baseball a lot of credit. They got it done. Like, here we they are. They're going to make Good it job. through the season. They did a great job. Um, I read an article this morning from Tom Verducci on being in the bubble and everything that, you know, has gone into that. And they've really done an excellent job. And early in the season, it looked like they were just going to have to pull yeah. the plug on the whole thing. And they did not. And so I give Major League Baseball a lot of credit for figuring it out. So, And I am also not a person that thinks – and it's not just because it's the Dodgers, but I think – I don't think this has an asterisk on it because a lot of things that have been talked about, which I totally agree with, is like everything that everyone's had to go through, it may be a shortened season, but the season was a grind. And 
whoever wins the World Series. Just the same thing with the NBA. Like whoever, you know, the Lakers, I mean, of course it happens to be the Lakers and hopefully the Dodgers, but it, you know, whoever wins, they won it. They made it through right. the season, a tough season that had a lot of factors that you wouldn't have in a normal season. So there's always something to it. gripe about when it comes to like the championship anyway, like any That's sport, true. you know? So like even if with the NBA, when the Warriors won, they were saying, well, LeBron James was hurt and that should be an asterisk. And I'm like, oh, please, you know, that's, like, like, that's not an asterisk. He was, yeah. That's sports. It's just the way it goes. Like that's just, that's right. sports. You and know, so, and, yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, KD came over and it's like, it, they're all their, all their players are homegrown. They've had the exact same, you know, level as everybody else. It's not like they had some, you know, and I get people don't like all stars all on the same team, but you know, it's, it, it was just dumb. So that's why I'm like, I don't believe in asterisks. I mean, it, you, a lot of things have to go right. And if it does, and everybody's on the same playing field, then it bears fair and you won. And the end. <laughs> and the end. I <laughs> totally agree with that. Um, all right, Steph, we are going to Dylan for Friday Night Lights. We are in episode two of season two. A lot has happened so far in the first two episodes of this season. Like it's just, it's so much at once, but let's, let's unpack it. All right. So Landry is freaking out because as we know, in the last episode, he killed the guy who was trying to attack Tyra. Which is crazy. Which yeah. is crazy. And they, as we talked about last week, they got rid of the body in total, I know what you did last summer fashion. <laughs> and instead of just calling the police or Landry's dad, who's the police. Uh, but Landry is now freaking out because he can't find his watch from his grandfather, which is engraved to Landry from grandpa. So it clearly is it's his watch. So he's freaking out. So he and Tyra, like in the middle of the night, go to see if they can find it and they cannot. So that is something he is freaking out about. He has made the football team, however, so mm -hmm. he's excited about that. And I'm going to jump ahead a little in the episode. He makes the football team. His rally girl comes to her to him to tell him she's her his rally girl, and he gets he gets very deep, and he's kind of freaking out. Tyra, and he's like, it feels like he's about to confess something. So right. Tyra pulls him aside, and he says to Tyra, "I'm in love with you, and <laughs> that's you know I did it for you. You know I'm in love with you. You've always known that." Uh, so that's a big moment there. And she really comes to realization. And then at the very end of the episode, we see her sneak into his room uh, and they start making out. And so that's, we'll learn more next week, but that is going to have a lot of, in, on top of everything else that Tyra and Landry are dealing with, they're now going to be dealing with the repercussions of that. So <laughs> that is a, a big storyline. And I actually forgot the storyline goes on a few episodes. I thought the the killing the guy and, and we'll get more into it. But I in my head, it's funny when I remember the season, I mm -hmm. remember getting wrapped up kind of quickly and it does not get wrapped up quickly. It goes on for a little while. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But they're dealing with that. I always wonder in these situations, I don't know if you were like this, but I like wonder how do they sleep? I would be a nervous wreck. <laughs> like I would never I would say be up all night being like, oh, my God, I killed somebody. I, right. For some reason, I didn't call the police, even though it was clearly self-defense. I've gotten in the – like, I would never be able to sleep. No. I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've never like killed anybody. But, like, I, there's well, no way. Well, that's great news. Um, <laughs> I would just – but that's – I always wonder that when I'm watching TV shows. I'm like, how can they sleep? I would never be able to sleep. Like, if I feel like I may have said something to someone 
that upset them inadvertently, I'd have trouble sleeping. So like, yeah. I just can't imagine. No, I hear you. I hear you. you no, know? like I just can't it was imagine. all. It's all a weird. The whole storyline's getting kind of bizarre because it's like you exiled Coach Taylor to wherever Austin or whatever. Landry's on the football team, and then you have like the soccer thing, and then Landry kills him, and it's like. You know, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's all bad ideas. Like it's like, oh no, it's the, ang- the angst is coming up strong. Well, this was the time where they were having trouble with the ratings, and so mm-hmm. they were trying to up the drama and the angst factor. Uh, and I think, I guess they needed to do something. I guess Coach Taylor couldn't have just come back in the next season. Like you needed some sort of twist to that storyline. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about that. Coach Taylor is in Austin. Tammy calls him in the middle of the night because Gracie Bell is crying and, and she can't get her to stop. So poor Tammy is not sleeping at all and she has no help in this matter. Uh, he is in Austin. He has to take a player who got caught at a Justin Timberlake concert with his, <laughs> agent, his future agent um, who is now in trouble. It's, of course, a violation. And they asked Coach Taylor to take him to his, I don't know, is it a hearing or just like a, Yeah, I guess like a hearing. I think it's like an NCAA type, I'm assuming, you know, in the fake college world, but like like a violation. Yeah, like a violations hearing. So on the way to this uh, hearing though, uh, Tammy calls Coach Taylor with Gracie. um, And so he gets off the phone and the player says to him, let me ask you a question. You got a wife and baby at home. Mm-hmm. What are you doing here with me? Uh, and they go to the hearing. And on the way to the hearing, this kid feels like he's just going to like walk in there uh-huh. and not have, speaking of contrition, have zero contrition. And he actually, I think Coach Taylor uses that word. He says, you could be a little contrite. Right. Um, and they have a they have a good ride together to the hearing. They stop for food. And uh, he does start, the, the kid says like, I made a mistake. It won't happen again. My mom didn't raise me that way. Like he really like goes into, he sounds like sorry. And then coach Taylor says, you know, he gets up and says, no matter what happens here, he's going to go to the NFL. So you can suspend him or ban him from the NCAA or you can leave him with us to kind of teach him and make him into a better person, et cetera, et cetera. And it works. The kid only gets suspended for three games, which is kind of amazing considering he took tickets to a Justin Timberlake concert. With right. Um, and, you know, TMU is very impressed with Coach Taylor you know, in that way. And so they're happy about that. But clearly Coach Taylor is not super happy. He's in Austin by He's himself. He's like a babysitter. Yeah. He's like a babysitter. He's it's not, not what he loves. Yes, it's not what he thought it would be. Um, he's supposed to be the quarterback's coach. He gets pulled from crack practice to go to the hearing. You know, so it's it, it's not what he thought. Tammy is really, really struggling. Mm. Julie has turned into, from season one to season two, has the turned devil. into a, the devil. She's like, <laughs> call She's central worst. casting for the worst teenage girl, like every stereotype you can find, yeah. and make it Julie Taylor. She has turned into the devil. She has zero interest <laughs> in that baby. Zero her. interest in her. Oh my God. She is just awful. She's awful. She's awful to Matt. You know, she had that moment. Nice. No, she's not nice at all. And she had that moment with her dad in the last episode mm-hmm. where they have that conversation. It was really sweet. And she says, I miss having you around. You kind of feel for her. And then she just turns into 
like the worst. I mean, she comes in to go out. She's supposed to go to the pep rally, um, which has been moved from Garrity Motors to a different booster's house. And one buddy Garrity is not happy about that. And he is definitely feeling himself kind of exiled from Panther football. Um, But she's supposed to go meet Matt at this pep rally. So she comes in and says like she's leaving and Gracie's crying and she looks really red and it was so sad. And Tammy's like, can you feel, she feels really hot. Would you mind feeling her? And she says, I don't know anything about babies. I got to go by. But she did tell her she loves her. But but she's so mean. Um, And earlier in the episode, Matt has tried calling her multiple times just to see if she needs to ride to school, a ride to school. She never responds. He sees her at school. Yeah, she's totally ghosting him. And she needs her, and she he sees her at school. She's like, oh yeah, sorry, my phone died. Um, so she she on the way to the pep rally, she sees the sweet. So she sees, excuse me, I will go earlier in the episode. She goes to pick up her final paycheck of being a lifeguard at the pool for the summer and runs into the Swede um, for like the most awkward and like somewhat embarrassing exchange ever, where he acts like he's thirty five and she's fifteen. <laughs> like she is. 15, 16, I guess, but like he acts like he's 35 and he tells her that one day she's really going to be a heartbreaker and good luck kid and ruffles her hair. I was like, this is the weirdest exchange. (laughs) I mean, I understand like there was, that was a point to it being weird and awkward and like embarrassing for Julie. But then she goes to the gas station with Lois to get gas and debug the windshield of her car and he shows up and now all of a sudden he's like interested in her. Yeah, she well, she was in a tank top. I think he saw her more as like a child. And yes, and then he saw that was that that tube top that was like falling yeah, down, and then he top. was like, "Oh, you are not a child at all." Yeah, and I think <laughs> he sees her as you know, and she's also more aggressive too. Mm-hmm. With like, she goes from being kind of shy and you know to herself, and then all of a sudden she's like, you know, very aggressive, you know, <laughs> sexually. I guess is you know what I want to say, but like, it's just like, this, who's this girl, Julie? You know, like I like the one that studied, and like, and who was like a nice person, and, <laughs> and who was a nice person. Like, it's yeah. one thing to like grow up and mature and she's like not a little girl anymore but she's like not a nice person either anymore and so he offers her a ride to the pep rally she tells lois she's gonna go with him which also is not nice like i know he drives to the pep rally (laughs) she kisses him when they get there which i'm pretty i I can't decide if matt sees that or not it's like kind of hard to tell i don't think he sees it but i think he feels it like he can feel her like going away so she kisses him and says, you can call me sometime. And then she goes and basically breaks up with Matt. And she, she like right off the bat, she's like, it's not you, it's me. And to Matt's credit, which I don't think is easy for a teenage boy um, or any teenager, he was like, I know it's not me. Right. And I know I didn't do anything. I know there was something I going love on that. with you. I, I, I love thought that was that. awesome. I do too. Yeah. I, I was like, good for you. That was so awesome. <laughs> Um, he's like, I know you're a hot mess and I'm not the problem, <laughs> but, um, she is just, she's just turned mean, like real. And then uh-huh. there's a scene where Glenn, Glenn is the substitute, um, guidance counselor. So he brings a oh, bunch of the, yeah. the bunch of the kids cases over to talk to Tammy and the, of course the house is a mess. Gracie's crying and he's there and she says to Glenn, you just need to connect with these kids. And in that moment, Julie comes in the kitchen. This is earlier in the episode. And Tammy says to her, listen, Julie, I was thinking if you and Matt wanted to have a little date night, order and food, watch a movie here, like 
you know, that would be great. Gracie, basically like Gracie and I can be scarce, like so sweet. And she goes, what is it with you and Matt? And she just yells at her and she's so mean to her. Like she's just, she's so mean. And we basically, the point I think of all of this is we see the Taylor family falling apart. Yeah, as it's getting rough. It's getting rough as they are separated. And then in the episode when Tammy calls Eric on his way to the hearing, she's walking to the school. And it's like over 100 degrees. So she gets to school because she's going to help Glenn. She does say one of my favorite lines from the entire series when he says to her, you're making me very nervous. You're like perspiring. You have a baby <laughs> in 105 degree heat and you walked here. And she interprets it, interprets it as him calling her a bad mother, which I don't think he is. I think he's just like kind of genuinely yeah, concerned like, about her well-being. Like, what are you doing? And she says to him, this is not my first barbecue, Glenn. And that's one of my favorite lines from the entire series. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I it, think it it's so real because like when you do have a baby, it's like everything, your your sanity, everything goes out at the window, you know? So, And mm-hmm. it's very stressful, even though it's like a great time. It's hard. And they make them so cute and cuddly and sweet because it's so hard, I think. Because right. That's just, a very good point. I don't know. I think that's why they make babies so cute and lovable because it's so hard to take care of a baby. And 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 especially she's working and she, you know, has a, a teenage daughter and her husband's gone. I mean, that's that's incredibly stressful. So I I don't know. I related to Tammy and then I was and I was mad at Julie for I was like, can you have some empathy here? It's like a little <laughs> empathy. And I think, and maybe, you know, maybe we have empathy for Julie. She's been the only child for 15 years and now yeah. there's a baby and her dad is gone and her mom is preoccupied. And she clearly is at a point where she really needs attention from both of her parents and needs them to be on top of things and and they can't be. Um, but of right. she definitely has turned into the devil. And then <laughs> they have to take Gracie to the hospital. She's totally fine. Yeah. But she had to take her to the ER and, and Tammy called Glenn and poor Glenn's so nice. He came and she says to him, I'm sorry if I was a bitch to you. I, did, I didn't mean to be. And he was like, you know, don't worry about it. And then he said, I know this is none of my business, but why did you think it was a good idea to have your husband in Austin and you here? And she says, I don't know. Yeah. And I think as an audience, we also didn't know. Well, you, they come across <laughs> as this like super power couple, you know, in the beginning mm-hmm. that they have it all together. They know everything right to say, what to do, you know, moral high ground, you know. And then it's like, oh, well, see, they're not that strong. Like there's a reason that you, you know, you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. there's some things that are not good for families and separation's one of them. So, yeah. <laughs> and we're seeing it also for Buddy who at the pep rally gets super, yeah. super drunk. He's obviously struggling with the, he's separated from his family. He feels separated from Panther football. Eric is in Austin. Like he's definitely feeling it. And it's Tim who has to help Lila get him home. And Tim says to her, you know, he doesn't have a drinking problem. He's just sad. Which yeah. I was sad too. But, you know, I thought it, you know, I, I was thinking about this because when we talked about the finale and you know how Tim Riggins gets kind of such a bad rap or whatever mm-hmm. and but he's there for her yes, he and and for buddy and he's like caring and he knows like he's deep down and he understands the football connection and so it's almost like i see a parallel there because like buddy 
that's all he has right now, you know? And right. so when he feels that the Panthers are, you know, also kind of pushing away, it's he's grasping. So he's, it's like really, really hard situation for that. And I think that was kind of interesting um, parallel because I feel like that's all Timmy had, you know, for yeah. a long time. So, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's very true. So that's where we are in episode two. Uh, next week, we will be in episode three of season two. And that's what we got. Let's do stuff a super, well, it doesn't have to be super quick, but uh, let's end with Fangirl says, who's hot and who's not? Um, I have mine ready to go if you would like me to go first. Okay, go ahead. My who's not are the Atlanta Falcons for finding every which way to lose. Every way. You pick a way to lose, the Atlanta Falcons are going to do it. You may not be able to think of ways to lose that the Atlanta Falcons are going to lose. So I'm going to give my who's not to the Atlanta Falcons because it's just kind of a, a hot mess over there. And then my who's hot, no surprise to anybody listening or on this podcast, Clayton Kershaw. Oh, well, that yeah. was nice that you, that was nice. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I feel, I feel your, um, loyalty towards him. Big time, yes, so. I do. I yeah. do. I'm very loyal. All right. Your turn. Who you got? Um, my who's, who's not hot is Julie. She was definitely like the devil, the worst. Like I was just like, yeah, she, that was literally what came to mind. And I, she was like one of my favorite characters and she just turned me off and I, and I get she's young, but I just feel like, man, you know, there's like a human component and I don't know why she's so awful. Um, my who's hot, I'm going to say. You know, I'm going to say Tampa Bay Rays. I they did a lot better than I thought they were would and I I really felt like maybe they'd win one game and I felt like, you know, at least they're coming in and putting an effort out there and they're making it count. So, they may lose the series, but I think that they're just doing really well and giving us some good baseball and with the the salary cap, well, not cap, but the salary that they have compared to what the Dodgers are, I think they're holding their own and I'm proud of them. And next week, should the Dodgers win the World Series, <laughs> next week I'm going to reveal to you guys the moment I knew they were going to win it, but I need to wait to do that to see if they actually win it. So there's a little tease for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a party on the pod. <laughs> we'll have a party on the pod. It's a pod party. Woo. Um, all right, guys. So we will talk to you next week. We will have finished NFL Week 8, which just seems crazy. We'll have a World Series champion, and we'll really be focused on football for a while. We had so many sports at the same time, and we'll be all NFL and Friday Night Lights next week. So make sure to join us again. Bye, everybody. Bye, Steph. Bye. Sports Opinions with a Side of Satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we, we think, think we're, we're funny, funny AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstandtenspodcast.com. <laughs>